This is the What Car EV Podcast for Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, episode 104, an impeccable model for the EV industry. So your city is becoming a leader in electrification, evidently. Apparently my city has been a leader in going more quote unquote green since the 90s at least. Who knew? Who knew? Go Thousand Oaks. Yeah. I am Phil Royal. I am one of the co-hosts of this podcast and also one of the co-founders of thewalkcar.com and 20-something years in as automotive content creation, automotive journalism, and selling t-shirts at thewalkcar.com slash store. Uh, Ed Sanchez, likewise, 20 plus years in automotive content creation and moderation, currently working as an automotive electronic supply side analyst and the Wattcar blog and podcast contributor and co-founder. I live in a, I, I call it a small town. It's not, we're like 120,000 people. I want to say size. it's, yeah. it's a pretty good size, but it's mostly suburb kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, somewhat, uh, I wouldn't say wealthy, but uh, it's upper middle class, upper middle class area. Yeah. And uh, well, with the housing prices recently, it turns out we're all living in million dollar homes in my city now. (laughs) Those are luckily on their way down because it's ridiculous when basically a regular neighborhood is selling for a million bucks. (laughs) Like, I don't know who would ever buy these houses, but hey, some people in my neighborhood are. So whatever. So my city uh, did some blog post about how they're replacing buses with electric buses they're they're existing buses with electric buses mm-hmm. and it had me thinking back to when i first saw the thing i thought back to the article you wrote about school buses mm-hmm. and it's not the school buses that they're replacing it's the city buses and mm-hmm. municipal the, yeah transit. yeah interestingly also they're going to be doing all of the uh vehicles as well mm-hmm. and even contractors that then get city vehicles i guess they supply contractors with vehicles those are all going to go electric as well mm-hmm. but a lot of what you said in your post on the walk car about buses mm-hmm. was it a couple months ago mm-hmm. really held true with this. And this, I imagine, is all uh, from the Inflation Reduction Act and mm-hmm. the uh, infrastructure it, bill yeah. and uh, local state mm-hmm. uh, things. But anyway, my city back in the 90s, I guess, was one of the first to convert all of its buses over to CNG. Mm-hmm. which was the green thing yeah, at the time. at the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they they were one of the first to lead that charge. And now those are reaching the end of their life. And so they are replacing them with electric buses. And it's this plan that they're going to be putting in over the next seven years. Mm-hmm. And the buses cost, <laughs> they were paying $130,000, or they would be paying $130,000 for a CNG bus. Mm-hmm. These are electric buses are going to cost $300,000. Yeah, not cheap. But with all of their, they said in this article, with all of the money that they can get, all the grants and and everything that they can get, mm-hmm. they're going to cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not one hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah, so almost cost parity. And then the operational cost over the life of the vehicles is expected to be fifty percent of a CNG vehicle, which is already, I believe, cheaper. Cheaper than diesel, yeah. Than diesel. <laughs> so they have this plan. They're going to spend. 14 to 16 million dollars between now and 2028 and by 2028 be 100% electric mm-hmm. for its 
buses and right, other please, transport basically. and dial yeah. rides and all these programs that we've got for the elderly and everything is going to be the whole city fleet will be electric by 2028. California's mandate for cities is 2040. So my city will be among the first to be fully electrified. With all of this comes solar panels that they're putting up at their municipal buildings Mm -hmm. and batteries that will then charge, I guess, during the day, Mm -hmm. the the, be charged by the solar, and then they can charge the buses at night and offset some of the electricity usage and costs in that way. Yeah. So my quick, as I like to go down rabbit holes all the time. So (laughs) One one thing I would point out, I'm just kind of curious if if they touched on this at all, is um or you know heck, I mean if you want to reach out and have someone from the city come on and discuss it, I mean that'd be great too. But the duty cycle between municipal buses and school buses is quite different. School buses, they usually run in the morning, run in the evening, the rest of the time they just sit and charge or feedback in the grid or whatever. Municipal buses typically are running, running, running all day. I don't know if Thousand Oaks has 24-hour bus service like some of the bigger cities like LA or We're a New sleepy York. little town. I don't think that our bus So like is- after nine o'clock, that's you know, lights out. You're stuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be my my question is how much testing that did they do in terms of the routes and the duty cycle to determine that these buses would hold up all day on a single charge or if they plan a charge midday, like on the driver's break or lunch break, or or they s- switch out buses, one goes back to the depot, they swap a new one into the route to finish the rest of the route. I'm just I'm just kind of curious about the logistics of it. So, City of Thousand Oaks, if you're listening, would love to hear. I, I'm kind of curious about all these little details. So yeah, I might I might reach out because another thing that occurred to me that I figured range wasn't probably an issue. We're a small little town. Mm-hmm. There's not yeah not no. much. Uh, distance to go really, and we're in we're a hilly, yeah, hilly area. Though. Yeah, we're yeah. hilly, but not on the main the main roads. Go, it's it's mostly level. Yeah. I, I didn't think that was too big of an issue. Where I think the city could benefit more is if they electrified the school buses, because at our local high school, there's a what what my kids call school bus heaven, and <laughs> there's like what looks like a hundred school buses sitting there, and they mm-hmm. just sit there for the majority of the day. Because they're only used in the morning and then in the evening. And those can be used to level the, the grid. And we get power outages here. When the when the winds kick in and uh, we've got fires, whatever, power goes or down. super hot in the summer and everyone's running their AC. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. this, the municipal buses are not going to help with any of that because exactly what you said, they're out running around. Mm-hmm. They will help at night, maybe, or maybe they'll hurt because they'll be charging at night. So I'm not sure whether or not like does the city have plans to also electrify the school buses because i think the school buses can do a a better good for the community i would assume they might be included in this broadly it didn't sound like it It sounded like these Mm. were the buses that go down the street city not yeah just the city not district not the school district that has all all the kids Mm. (laughs) i guess yeah i mean (laughs) are most of the current buses the school buses uh diesel or natural gas or you know, I don't ever see him running. Yeah. No. <laughs> Next time I'm in that yeah. area, there's a park near School Bus Heaven. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, just generally, I've noticed in terms of municipal buses in California, I can't remember the last time I saw a diesel bus. I mean, pretty much all of them are CNG now, at least. I've seen a few hybrid buses. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
I would assume that they're CNG just because the city went CNG back in the 90s that I would assume that with that came pressure from the city to the school district to also go to CNG. But I will reach out. I will reach out. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, we're a small sleepy town here. So Mm -hmm. maybe there's somebody sitting there in one of the (laughs) the listening to our podcast Yeah, at City Hall, which (laughs) City Hall is also a, a library. So, <laughs> actually, maybe that's the city next to us. I'm not actually sure oh. where our city hall is. Maybe our city hall is right next to our center. You know, I you, I've only lived here like seven years. <laughs> what has more range than what we thought it did? Speaking of range, yes, the Ionic Six. Yeah, Hyundai I, this is Ionic pretty Six. Impressive, yeah, kind of riffing off of last week where I gave mm-hmm. not an ultimatum to Mazda but a roadmap. I guess is a better word for it to Mazda about the direction. And you said uh, maybe Mazda should partner with somebody like Hyundai. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I kind of looked at Hyundai as like as a, as a model for what yeah, yeah. Mazda should, should do the next week. Hyundai has proven themselves <laughs> an, an impeccable model for yeah. basically all of the EV industry. Yeah. But they announced range figures for the Ionic six and the top model is rated at 361 miles, which is considerable. That's, uh, I think that might even be as much or more than the long range model three currently. And that's up getting there with like the model S and the lucids too. Now it, you, you got to unpack this a little bit because as with the Ionic five and a lot of other EVs there are multiple trims, powertrain configurations, wheel tire sizes. It's like when you spec out a Ford truck. <laughs> yeah and you're Gear looking for that one tow engine. rating yeah you're looking for the the oh this can tow yeah. eighteen thousand pounds and then you look at it and you're like but if you get the leather seats then you also get this and this and now you've got like a fourteen thousand pound tow rating and that's kind of what evs are turning into i think j- just real quick the the weirdest thing i ever saw is this was a few years ago ram used to do a line by line trim level chart of the towing and payload capacity of, of its hd trucks wow like by transmission, gear ratio, bed size, trim level. We, I mean, you know, four by four, two, four by two. I mean, you name it. Like, and there was, you'd think, you know, a Cummins, you know, that's a workhorse engine. That's a man's man, you know, engine. A Cummins with a manual with a tall, like it was a, like a 331 rear end something, only had a towing capacity of like 8,000 pounds or something. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like a Cummins HD truck, but but I guess just based on that specific configuration, that's what it was rated for. And I guess there's some real specific use case that's perfect for, but not towing. <laughs> so so anyway, based on this yeah. chart of the Ionic mm-hmm. Six, is very yeah. much that way. So rear wheel drive, seventy seven point four kilowatt hour battery, which I think all of them are the seventy seven. Currently, they 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 do have plans for like a fifty three kilowatt hour, but. Which I, I initially was like, why would they ever bring that? But if you can get cost, with re, well, with yes, yeah. and if you can get rear wheel drive with the seventy-seven kilowatt hour battery, eighteen inch wheels, and you can get three hundred sixty-one miles. If you got that same configuration with a fifty-four, mm-hmm. was it uh, kilowatt hour battery? 55, 53 or fifty-four, yeah. Then could, that might get like two hundred fifty, yeah. two hundred sixty miles, which, which would is, be fine. Yeah, which is that's your car. Yeah, basically, with a, yeah, with a smaller battery. Yeah. So that seems game on. But if you choose the all wheel drive. SE model, it's now you're getting 316 miles. If you get rear wheel drive with 20 inch wheels, you're at 305 miles. 
then what is this? Uh, SEL limited all-wheel drive with 20-inch wheels is 270. So you could option this thing up to be a um, equivalent to a uh, the old uh, Chevy Spark, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't quite, I don't think it, well, no, I, I was going to say it doesn't have 400 pounds. It actually has more than the, the top rating on the, um, the all-wheel drive model is 446 pound feet. So it's got plenty of torques. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's crazy how much the range <laughs> drops, like the same yeah. car, and there's a 100-mile swing. Now, that's also assuming that this car will actually get this range. I imagine with uh, gas vehicles, you can get to the, the higher range gas vehicles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're rated for like, like I drove a Corolla for years, not, not my mm -hmm. Corolla. I was doing a test for Toyota, and mm -hmm. so I had a newer Corolla, and that was rated at like 38 freeway, and you could get 38 freeway. Mm-hmm. But if there was a slight headwind, you yeah. were down to like 34. If there was a hill involved, you're down to like 30. Yeah. <laughs> it quickly affected the, the fuel account. Do you, you remember my uh, Nissan I had in college? My, yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. The, the Centro with the uh, fart can exhaust I put on it. Uh huh. <laughs> that, that affected my mileage. But anyway, uh, before I started, you know, hacking it and tinkering with it, I remember on one stretch, I think this was driving out from California to college. There was a stretch and I wasn't babying it either. I was going probably at least 70, 75. I, that one stretch, I got 43 miles per gallon on the, on the highway and it was rated for 38, but I was like, wow. So yeah, once you get to the, yeah. to the very economical side of things, mm -hmm. and I imagine it's this way with EVs because this is just how the world works. You don't get something for nothing. Mm -hmm. Once you get to the far extreme of, of the economy ranges, mm -hmm. Little tiny things make huge differences. Meanwhile, my Ford F-250 yeah. with the V10 will get 13 to 14 miles to the gallon on the freeway unloaded. It doesn't matter if you've got six people in the vehicle, if <laughs> yeah. you've got the bed full of stuff. That's what you're getting on the freeway. You throw my my travel trailer behind it, you get eight to nine miles per gallon. It doesn't matter if your tanks are full. It doesn't matter if you've got people <laughs> in the vehicle. That's what you get. Yeah. It's already the bottom range. Yeah. Yeah. There is no worse. Yeah. So I'm very hopeful with this Ionic 6. This is right now, if I were shopping for a EV sedan, mm -hmm. what, I, what I'd be getting. Well, I'm, I'm just going to keep on saying it until they actually do it. I want them to do a wagon <laughs> version, a shooting brake. Over the weekend, I was driving a distance and I saw a lot of EVs, as you do in California, yeah. because writing a story that's going to go up mm, later this week. I was doing mm -hmm. some research and discovered that in 2022, EV sales in California, new EV sales in California are between 17 and 18%. Wow. So, I mean, EVs are very common here. And yeah. so I saw, you know, Tesla, whatever. And then I saw an Ionic 5 and was like, oh, it looks all right. And then I saw a Taycan mm -hmm. and was like, whoa, that looks really like, and then it was next to an Ionic 5 and was like, wow, that mm -hmm. Ionic 5 looks like the Lego bricks that my five-year-old plays with. That was still kind of a cool look, but you know. Cool look, but you said it next to the Taycan and you're like, yeah, no comparison. Whoa. And then I was, I was thinking like, uh, Sport Turismo. Yeah, I've, I'm all about the Sport Turismo. That is the the killer car as yeah. far as the probably the best looking EV. So getting is. back to Toyota, some big news this week. This happened right like as soon as we published last week's yeah. podcast. So actually, I guess late last week. Your favorite guy at Toyota, Akio Toyota. No relation. <laughs> Toyota. Uh, actually, no, all, well, all relation. All relation. 
<laughs> he was was he CEO? Yeah, yeah. And he stepped down. Also, has... grandson of the founder, but you know. Oh, was the... he really? Yeah, you didn't know that. No, I did not yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, slightly I related it was coincidence. I thought no. it was like when um, Dan Edmonds worked at Edmonds.com. <laughs> there was no yeah and he kept on saying no relation yes yeah no ah interesting look yeah. at that just learned something so he stepped down maybe in air quotes step down <laughs> maybe not i don't know if we know he's, well he's still chairman so i mean don't, be chairman don't don't cry for him and who who's taking over toyota this gentleman by the name of koji sato who was previously head of the Lexus division and also led Gazoo Racing, which uh, is responsible for some of their uh, kind of neat cars lately, uh, like the Supra. And my personal favorite, the uh, GR Corolla. I, I think we both think that's an awesome little car. It does explain a few things to me. Yeah. Um, I wondered what Gazoo Racing had on Toyota because mm -hmm. all of a sudden when the Supra came out, the redo of the Supra, Mm -hmm. that it was a GR Supra or mm -hmm. that you could get like a GR edition or it was GR, it was Gazoo mm -hmm. Racing. And then the, the 86 is the GR86. And I was like, man, mm -hmm. what is, who is this Gazoo Racing? And apparently it's this high up, highfalutin Lexus. Yeah. So the, I, I guess Sato uh, been, has been guiding uh, that that initiative for a while. Um, so a little background on him. I guess he kind of specialized in diesel technology when he was uh at studying in university. So that's kind of ironic. Well, very applicable to the rest of the world. Yeah. Oh, Not true. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, he's, he's described as being uh, definitely an enthusiast and a driver like Akio Toyota's known for being a hot shoe on the track. Uh, interestingly, he was the chief engineer for the Lexus LC, which if you, I mean, I know you probably know about it. It's a very, I, I mean, Looks looks are in the eye of the beholder, but it is a really really nice looking coupe. I mean, I think it's probably one of Lexus's best looking cars of of all time. <laughs> so many people are impressed with that car. I it's fast as could be. I've driven one on the track. Yeah, I wasn't you're, you're kind of mad with it. Yeah, it. I don't know. I I think it's a head turner. I, I whenever I see one, I'm like, dang, that is a nice looking car. I was more impressed with the. Um, why am I blanking on it? The supercar they had for all of 10 minutes. I should know this too, because I've actually ridden in one. But yeah, the, the V10 super duper $400,000. The LFA. LFA, yeah. This kind of gets back to the discussion we had about the uh, Cadillac Celestic. Nice car, but I wouldn't pay $300,000 for it. I think the LC is between like 80 and 100 or something. So to me, that that's much more compelling. I, I know it doesn't have the exotic specs of the LFA, but it's much more accessible. It's it's more. Oh, it's of a, a nice, yeah. It's a nice vehicle. There's a lot of things I didn't like about it, but it is overall. It's uh, it, it it's it's good. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, um. Yeah. So now th this isn't really explicitly touched on in the articles announcing this, but a lot of people feel the succession was based on Toyota kind of, kind of feeling the heat from other uh, manufacturers going to EVs at a much quicker pace than they kind of anticipated. And and there's kind of this insinuation that Sato is a little more bullish about EVs than Toyota is or was. And there's also news I've heard coming out that Toyota's finally, they haven't been very vocal about it, but they're finally all in on EVs. And they're going to do a dedicated 
uh, EV platform. And some say, oh, well, you know, BZ4X is out. But I guess the, the BZ4X is kind of an adaptation of an ICE chassis that they kind of, they kind of pieces parts to work as an EV, I guess kind of similar to like the Kona or the, the Nero EV in that it's kind of, it works, but it's kind of compromised in that it's not a dedicated EV platform. I don't think you take any company's first EV and say, this is their best attempt. Like name a manufacturer, even Tesla, name any manufacturer that came out and minus uh, the exception to this would be um, Lucid. Oh, uh, this, with, I, I thought you were going to say the Sport Turismo. No, <laughs> no, no. The Lucid, and I guess to some degree Rivian, but yeah. Rivian's truck was its second EV concept. They they originally were going to release a little sports car. And then they, ice ice sports car, I think. What was it? Wait, I don't remember you, that part. So I I remember reading going way way back in the like like back when it was a couple of nerds, you know, e- eating their their you know subway sandwiches at a fold up coffee table in a back room. The the plan was to do a, a range of like hyper efficient ice vehicles. I guess kind of similar to Aptera from that standpoint. <laughs> But at some point, I guess R.J. Scarinch said, "No, nah, you know what? The future's electric. We need to. That's what we need to focus on." And you know, and then they pivoted to trucks and whatever. Yeah. So the point in all this being, yeah. don't look at the BZ4X and go, "This is the best the Toyota can do." Yes, it's a bit of an embarrassment of a car when you look at charging speed and the wheels falling off. It's no MX30. It's no MX30, which is Mazda's <laughs> first attempt at all of this, and they will have something else like yeah. Audi. Volkswagen group, they've done the same thing. They had like a platform and then boom, went away. I think didn't Volkswagen do the same thing? You've got uh Ford with like their mm. the lightning, I think, is um they've already got plans for the next generation, which second gen, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first one is kind of a let's put this out there, let's learn. A compromise, yeah. And let's see. So the idea that them dumping the BZ4X and it being old hat pretty soon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, fine with that. That's I think it's a solid plan. So, yeah, so uh, I, I wish uh, Sato uh, Sato-san uh, the best of luck. I'm I'm kind of excited for um, what. And I know you say, oh well, you know, Ed, you're just a Toyota cynic, and you know, you just you just want to see him crash and burn. No, I don't. I don't want to see anybody fail. But I, I, you know, I think this will be a good. I think this was kind of a needed change. No disrespect against Akio, but. Um, I think he was so entrenched in kind of the legacy thinking about hybrids and ice and all that, and so resistant to the change that EVs would bring, even to the whole Japanese industrial infrastructure, that he was just so entrenched in that that he really kind of couldn't see past that. So, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what comes uh, under uh, under Sato. Yeah, I saw. I was trying to find it. Can't find it. I saw a story that said after this that Toyota said that eventually somebody at Toyota, and it may have been the new guy. The Toyota will eventually be proven right that multiple power plants will, or what will win out. It's not battery electric only. It's also fuel cells. It's also well, hydrogen. I know. That's kind of the company line. And yeah. And I wonder how much of this is drawn by what was it a year or so ago where we were talking mm-hmm. about? A lot of this comes from the investments of the Japanese government. And the mm-hmm. Japanese government yeah. was pushing hydrogen for years. And so you've got a lot of the Japanese automakers like Toyota and Honda that were essentially following what the government directed mm-hmm. them. In, the, in that general direction, whether or not it was a mandate from the government, I don't know. But much like some governments are saying, well, go all EV and, you you know, you get these incentives like in America. Mm-hmm, Here's all mm-hmm. this money for going EV. Well, that's going to make people go in that direction rather than inventing some new technology. You're just going to go along in that 
direction of battery electric or fuel cells. Yeah, yeah. And th- maybe that's kind of what's happened with Toyota, but with this move, I think it does give them a new start, whether yeah. it's it, it, whether it's just, um, you know, showing it's just outward yeah. or not. Symbolic, it, yeah. Yeah, it does, it does offer something. So speaking of uh, kind of multiple powertrains, we've got another uh, big news item. So before this podcast- From your favorite brand. We started talking about this. This is Mazda. And you said, uh, right before we started recording, you're like, yeah, Mazda released its first vehicle with a plug. And I was like, no, it didn't. You're like, what are you talking about? Like the MX-30 was the first vehicle with the plug of modern times anyway. And you're like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> Does it count or <laughs> something? <laughs> That's kind of my my supposition is, does it really count? I mean, yeah, they did it, but I said, no, my exact quote was, this is the first one with the plug that matters. Yes. And it's the first one that'll go with a plug that'll go over hundred miles. This yeah. is the CX 90, their big SUV mm-hmm. and it's coming in a plug-in. Yeah. Hooray! Also, also, like I said, it's not our typical wheelhouse. It's also going to be Mazda's first inline six on the non plug-in hybrid version, which is also going to be a 48 volt mild hybrid, I guess the, even the inline six model, but Hmm. anyway, but for this, for the purposes of this show, we're focusing on the P So specs on this, the CX 90 plug-in hybrid, uh, 17.8 kilowatt hour battery estimated 20 to 25 mile EV range, even though that's to be determined combined system output of 323 horsepower and 369 pound feet of torque. That's EV plus a 2.5 liter four cylinder. Uh, I couldn't really tell I, th- based on the specs I saw if the engine is turbocharged or not. I don't know. Also to be determined. Probably the most interesting kind of gearhead uh, aspect of it. And I don't know if, you know, being the Miata buff you are, if, if you'd heard of this, I guess uh, a couple of years um, for the 2022 Miata, Mazda debuted this technology called uh, kinematic posture control torque vectoring. It's a mouthful that actually uses the brakes to basically kind of act as a quasi differential that's supposed to give the car sharper cornering and, and kind of mitigate body roll. If this is what I believe it is, what they do is they, if you head into a corner and it's a tight corner and they're Mazda's really good at predicting Mm -hmm. what the corners are, is that it will apply, say it's a, it's a right-hand turn, a tight right-hand turn. Mm -hmm. If this is what I think it is, it breaks that front right tire. Mm-hmm. to make the car pivot around it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of throws the rest of the car around yeah. the one corner that's breaking. And it's a pretty mm-hmm. cool technology. Yeah. I believe yeah. it's been on their other vehicles. That kind of tech has been on the some of their other vehicles mm-hmm. as of uh, late. Maybe maybe I'm mistaken on that, but I, I think yeah. that's what it is. Well, Mazda is, as we've discussed, Mazda is great at dynamics and feel and just kind of the driving sensation. So uh, that's I think that's a positive development. And it's interesting... Um, in the description, the official descriptions and everything I'm reading is they're really emphasizing rear wheel biased all wheel drive. So they really want people to know this is, you know, longitudinal rear oriented vehicle. It's kind of driving dynamics is the only thing that Mazda's got going for it at this point. Well, you know, that's a good card to play, but and you then, know. So we were talking about trucks earlier, or yeah. I was. I don't know. <laughs> And so any truck story kind of catches my attention because while I am not going to be buying an EV truck for a long, long time because it simply isn't going to fulfill my needs for towing yeah. for a while, I, I mean, possibly Ram, Ram with a range extender yeah. 
has definitely got my interest. It kind of goes back to what I was saying many, many moons ago when I tested the Power Boost, the Ford mm -hmm. uh, F-150 Power Boost, and said, it's a hybrid, but boy, this would be great if you could just drive it in straight electric mode. <laughs> that's what you said you did briefly. Yeah, but it you, has could, to have, you have to have gas in the tank. Evidently. Yeah, yeah, I could drive to the store in full electric, but if you didn't have gas in it, then it wouldn't even move. Anyway, this isn't about that. Uh, <laughs> so Ford offers the Ford Charge Station Pro, which allows you to power yeah. your house off mm -hmm. of your truck. And I think you can charge at like, 800 amps or something crazy it's it's a lot like, i mean it'll legit power a good size house yeah so motor trend has a long-term lightning uh, for for lightning and uh christian seaball one of their writers looked at getting i don't know how serious he was about it because i can't believe that you would install the ford charge station pro at your house when you've got a company car and and they also have a level two charger at at their office too so, yeah, regardless, he looked into the price of this yep. and the price to add this to his house, the Forge Charge Station Pro mm -hmm. that was $18,000, mm -hmm. just under $18,000, which he had a hundred amp breaker on his house. So mm -hmm. it went up to 200. Oh, no, wait, I don't know what amps it was going to, but he had a hundred amp is what his house was set up for. So he needed to increase that anyway. A level two charger. So installing, upgrading to 200 amps and a 1450 plug, and then doing basically what you do, where you take mm -hmm. a travel charger and you just plug it right in and you use that as your primary level two home charger. That's going to cost him $6,000, which I can tell you when I upgraded my house from 80 amp to 200 amp, that's about right. Mm -hmm. That's about what I, I yeah, think I paid, yeah. five fifty five hundred something like that. And you I only had, had 80 for your whole house? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, I can't even fathom how they even allowed that of course it was built like what in the early 60s or something yeah it was a 60s house with no air conditioning oh, so I, you really didn't have i guess yeah there was you were powering ceiling fans like <laughs> there was not <laughs> a lot to, to power yeah, and, and yeah. in california you don't now we use the, the heat for a month or so but you yeah you not, get, not a lot you can yeah. get away i i lived in this house for two years before we installed air conditioning yeah so uh, anyway so that that your cost may vary. Right. Yeah, yeah, your cost may vary. And I think six grand is about right to in, to upgrade to 200 amp uh, breaker, which is what you need for level two mm -hmm. charging. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be charging off a level one with any EV unless it's like a just a plug-in hybrid probably. Yeah, yeah. But $18,000, I don't know how many takers are going to have on that for the Ford Charge Station Pro. I, I'm thinking this is going to be more of a thing with like new construction where like some developers and builders just kind of, build it in and add as like a spiff like oh yeah we'll do this and i i guess my personal experience from this is i've kind of run now granted i haven't looked into like i mean i've looked into solar systems at my previous house and other stuff but yeah the cost can vary considerably because i went from 300 bucks at my old house to install a 1430 plug to 2000 at my new one uh, <laughs> uh yeah so for basically the same setup the difference being my current house, the garage is detached from the unit and they had to run conduit under basically under the street through a conduit to my garage. And that was a limiting factor on why I didn't get 50 amp, which given a choice, I probably would have, but they said, no, there's the, the pipe is not big enough to cram that wire in it. You'll burn the neighborhood to the ground. Yeah, basically. So I said, well, you know, 30 amps fine. I, that's what I had at my last house. It worked fine. So your ear cost me very. The best part of this is that Sunrun, who is the installer of all this, who you've got to go through, 
with I guess, Ford, yeah. I guess you can technically do it without Sunrun, but they're like the... But they're kind of the co-partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to beg and plead. Apparently, Sunrun gave him the runaround, didn't give him good answers. Uh, that's so, not the... I mean, not so to... You're paying $18,000 to also get bad customers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so again, not to bash on, we, we've been through this with another um, charging network that I will not mention specifically but um i have heard other negative experiences with sunrun so you know i'm not going to beat up on them all i can say is they need to up their customer service game uh their procedures professionalism i'm just throwing it out there if we're going to get through these stories we've we've got okay. like five minutes <laughs> rapid fire so, okay let's go yeah and this doesn't <laughs> really require a lot of talk but it kind of leads into the next thing but chevron made 75 billion dollars profit in 2022 wow so what do they do with the money? Did they invest in renewables or EV and infrastructure? No, nope. they did uh, stock buybacks and uh, paid shareholders a bunch of dividends. Because, you know, what's the future in EVs and electric and even, you know, fuel cell, anything, like anything yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what they're doing. They didn't invest in that. Meanwhile, Travel Centers of America, which is this huge, like, fuel. Stop. Uh, I mean, truck yeah, stops, but also like gasoline and, you know. Yeah, they're they're kind of like the the pilot uh, J pilot flying J. Yeah, yeah that they're thing. yeah they're the huge. Uh, you drive through the through America and then you come across these travel centers of America. Yeah. They're partnering with Electrify America to install a thousand chargers at over two hundred travel center locations in the next five years. So I guess travel centers. Speaking of the what we were talking about a yeah. second ago with this other thing and how confusing it can be, I guess in this deal, travel centers of America buys the chargers from EEA. Uh -huh. EEA does all of the permitting, all of the design for the units, the installation, and the, the maintenance. maintenance, everything. Yeah. But Travel Centers buys the unit. Yeah, yeah. It's so kind this kind of gets back to like the charge point model and like who's responsible for what, but yeah. Yeah, here at least they're going to be buying in a package or a partnership, whatever it is with Electrify America. But that's good because once again, pull through chargers, Hopefully, yeah. Uh, this is this is a good. company that deals with high volume of vehicles coming through who need to charge. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. come across travel centers of America in the middle of LA. You come across no. it out uh, further out, yeah, of out off I ten or yeah. So very positive. Let's see what else is on here. Um, Rivian, don't stop at the travel centers of America to charge your Rivian because it <laughs> yeah. could potentially blow up your. Well, battery. for now, yeah. <laughs> there have been a few little issues, I guess, but. Hopefully with the they'll other ones, get to the bottom of it. There's F-150 Lightning this has happened to. You've got a note here saying Chevy Bolt. I hadn't heard of this. Are these all on Electrify America chargers? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That There's some little quirk in terms of the power management or software where, it's specifically, I guess the biggest issue is the Rivian where it says they, quote, fried their batteries. It probably popped out like a, like a fuse or a, a high, like a high voltage connector. So when it says, quote, fried, I mean, who knows, but. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be a little more fine tuning in terms of the power management. That's what it seems like to me at first glance. So we're very much first generation EV. Yeah, Tesla's been around for longer and they've got it more sorted. But we're going to look back on these times right now as like the Wild West. In twenty yeah. years' time, we're going to look back and you're going to be like, "Dude, my love, my Model Three. I still got fond memories of it, but that thing was a piece of crap." Like as you're driving your whatever it is next, you know, like three generations down of model car, ten. Yeah, you're gonna look back and be like, wow, you know, I used to have to wait 30 minutes to charge my car and yeah, 
Although, and now it just charges off of the solar panels on the roof and we don't ever have to plug in or it's all yeah, wireless yeah. charging and it's built into every parking space and yeah. every parking lot that you go to, you just literally never plug in. We're going to look back in our lifetime. We will look back. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It will be embarrassing days. Right now we're in the flip phone era <laughs> of EVs. Approaching the, uh, well, I'm, I'm not even going to say it. Because... I, I, I do very passive EV shopping and I came across a BMW i3 for sale for seven mm -hmm. grand mm -hmm. that only has like 60 miles range out of like, mm -hmm. I think they're originally like one twenty, mm, I think hundred ish. Yeah. Something. something like that. And it's the range extender version, but it takes, says it takes a few minutes for the range extender to kick in. And I'm like, do I really want this? It was, it was yeah. really affordable. But I, I looked at that <laughs> and was, I like to tinker. I don't, I want to learn more so I could, yeah. I can figure stuff out, but I just started thinking like, is this something I want to spend like $7,000 on when I know that this is early technology? I just need to wait five years Yeah, and it's going to be incredible. You know, the, the changes are going to happen fast. All right. Audi designer, Mark Lichty, is that how you'd say it? Says that they're looking assuming, at yeah. building an electric off-road oriented SUV, similar to the Range Rover G-Wagon. That'd be cool. Yeah. Genesis X convertible concept might go into production. According to the uh, Genesis National Dealer Advisory Council, for what that's worth. Is this something you'd want to buy? Uh, it's cool looking. I'm sure it would be six figures and not very practical. So probably <laughs> a pass for me, even though I'm generally a fan of Genesis and I think their current models are very nice looking. And finally, and I know nothing about this, Elon Musk, who's he? Hints at a <laughs> Tesla van. Possible tie-up with Mercedes-Benz on a next-gen Sprinter. So didn't they, they already have connection with Mercedes because Tesla did a minivan, wasn't it? Or was it an uh, SUV? Well, first, well, ironically, both Mercedes and Toyota were early investors in Tesla. They've since pulled out. Yeah, one of the, there was, there was a Mercedes van, I can't think of what it was, that was all Tesla drivetrain stuff, similar to how the... Toyota RAV4 EV. RAV4 EV was a Tesla. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with Tesla guts, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what kind of made me kind of kind of stroke my chin a little bit on this one is you remember um probably I don't want to say a month or two ago I did a post on a release Mercedes made about they're working on a next generation Sprinter that has a 295 mile range. Mm -hmm. Which makes me wonder if they they're they've already been working on this and they're just now kind of talking about it. I would not hold our breath for anything that involves Tesla and uh, the claim of a new vehicle. Mm -hmm. But if there's something with Mercedes, sure. Yeah. So yeah, that anyway, adds we a shall bit see. That. And there was a lot of other stuff that went on. Generac created a home EV charger, which I didn't see coming at all. You want to talk about the uh, paranoid uh, hip hop artist? What, what was that? Hip hop? <laughs> didn't no. What is this? Okay, so this guy named Rick Ross, and I'm I'm not a hip hop aficionado, so forgive me that I haven't heard of this guy. Evidently, he's kind of a bigwig. He's he. Uh, this was on Tesla Rati. He says he refuses to drive and ride in a Tesla because he can quote be tapped into by the government. So, which I would say, okay, uh, does he ever ride in or drive a GM vehicle that have been connected through OnStar since 1996 and have had remote shutdown capability since 2008, and the fact that almost all new cars have some kind of telematics connectivity. And does he use a cell phone? Because those can be tracked just as easily. So I don't know. 
he seems like a bit of a car fan just googling him i recognize the guy i yeah. can't tell you anything about him but like he's got rolls royces bentley's things like that I-, I can't believe for a second that these do not have tracking in them because that's one of the things that they will probably offer in a rolls royce i'd be disappointed if they didn't yeah offer assistance when you're somewhere and you need help <laughs> yeah but you're spending half a uh, yeah half a million dollars on some of their vehicles like yeah it should have an on-star equivalent <laughs> where you get rolls royce so you know i mean i mean he's entitled to his opinion and i mean good on him i guess but to single out tesla is it I, I think is a little selective because i'd say most new cars have this capability if if you know the fbi or anyone really wanted to track you down so and before we wrap the show we will just mention to acknowledge because you can guarantee on every other ev podcast they will talk about it the anderson economic group released another study just be careful with the numbers you believe on some of these things and don't believe the study at face value there is just enough truth in it to make it plausible but they've cherry picked from the math that i did cherry picked the worst case scenario of electric to the best case scenario of gas and then mixed in some weird juju in the middle of it all and spun out a thing that said that EVs are actually, I think, more expensive to drive per mile than ICE. And yes, you can get there. When I, I went through and crunched the numbers 10 different ways, and yeah, you can get there. Yeah. But boy, you've got to just murder reality of, of areas. <laughs> like I pay very, I pay a, a lot for electricity, but I also pay mm-hmm. a lot for gas. You go yeah. to areas where gas is cheap, and guess what else is cheap? electricity <laughs> yeah prices yeah. vary so you cannot do the cherry picking that appears to have been yeah. done so just be forewarned whenever everybody goes into this there is truth in what is being said but it's yeah. being com- it's the comparisons that are not equal so yeah. i don't know if we're going to do anything on it I, I we've already covered this company before and it's the same thing and ed and i discussed it and it's like we don't cover everybody that's anti EV. We're here to talk pro EV. I mean, pro EV, but the- we try, I think we try to be objective and as factual as we can. Yeah. I mean, here we are on an EV podcast, and I just said it's going to be a long time before I buy an EV truck. They just oh. don't do what I need to do. So there you go. So anyway. good show. <laughs> we'll wrap that up. We're a little bit longer than normal. I'll edit out all of the bits where um, we got the all the facts. and haws and. Yeah. And we'll we'll get this down to just 40 minutes instead of the, the three hours it took to wind. <laughs> <laughs> you can subscribe to this podcast, which if you're listening to it, you should be able to figure that out. The show notes are embedded into the podcast. They're also on the walkcar.com. You can help support the podcast by purchasing some merchandise, the walkcar.com slash store. We have t-shirts and a water bottle. Email us at hello at thewattcar.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you are interested in advertising or getting involved in the podcast as a company in any way, head to thewattcar.com slash advertise. You'll find some more information and we can kind of make anything happen. And for everybody else, if we do take any advertisers, just know everything will be clearly marked <laughs> as ads, yes. whether it's on the podcast or on the blog, that we're not going to cross the streams here. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk to you next week. See you then.